0: Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Welcome today. I'm here with Dr. Bakkeen, who is director of our state-of-the-art coronary artery bypass surgery center, and we're very excited this morning uh, to ask you questions that our patients often have about coronary artery bypass surgery. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Betsy. It's a real honor. It's a little different. We're doing it by Zoom, so it may not seem as interactive and lively because we don't have much experience in that, but hopefully our listeners our viewers will will enjoy it and benefit from it.
0: So let's just start with the basics. What is coronary artery bypass surgery?
1: Bypass surgery is when you actually, as the name suggests, bypass a blockage in uh, the coronary vessels of the heart. You don't actually remove the blockage. You don't deal directly with the blockage like a stent does. You actually use another vessel to bypass that blockage. And that vessel could either be an artery or it could be a vein.
0: Um, and who are the best candidates for this type of surgery?
1: Well, uh, as a surgeon I'm biased and I would like to do it on everybody with blockages, but uh, uh, certainly um, the, the operation is is a major operation. It involves general anesthesia and, uh, and most of the time involves the heart-lung machine. So you wanna be offered to people who could um, tolerate and do well with such a procedure. And with advances in technology and medicine and anesthesia and perioperative care, you could pretty much offer it to anybody, but the impact on their bodies and recovery can vary from one person to another. But it's certain, it's it's really governed by the severity of the blockages, because if it's one or two blockages in a small or um, uh, insignificant vessel, then it should probably be treated medically. And if it's a more significant vessel or two, it could probably be treated by a stent. But if it's a complex or multiple lesions, then it's better treated by bypass. And bypass has the longest term survival because many studies have demonstrated the superiority of coronary artery bypass surgery to other other management modalities for patients with significant and heavy um, burden of blockages especially in diabetics. To summarize, um, most of the guidelines would say if you have a three vessel disease or multi vessel disease, or if you have a uh, left main disease, uh, most would recommend bypass surgery. And then finally, if the LAD, which is called the widow maker is involved, especially when it's involved with other vessels, um, that is certainly a strong indication uh, and recommendation for c- cabbage
0: you often use the term complete revascularization. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, when you have multiple blockages, um, it's best if you address all those blockages that involve the major vessels of the heart. If you leave one or two and you don't bypass them or address that blockage, then that can impact the long-term outcome in terms of symptoms and quality of life, but more importantly, in terms of survival. So when we do uh, cabbage at the clinic, we make sure that we go in with the intention and the goal of bypassing every single major vessel that's severely narrowed.
0: Um, everybody, when they call us, they always want the smallest incision. So um, what do you usually tell patients about that?
1: Yeah, who wants a big incision? In fact, who wants an incision? Mm -hmm. Um, So so you got to take care of yourselves. You got to eat healthy. You got to lead a a lifestyle that is conducive to good health. And you got to take your medications. And as I said, if your blockages are minor um, or not heavy in distribution and severity, you can have a stent. But if you were to have an operation, the, the, the primary and overriding goal should be as you mentioned, to achieve complete revascularization, to bypass everything, and then to get a durable operation. And what I mean by durable is that those bypasses stay open for a long time. And we believe that using arterial grafts, and we may be talking more about it later on, uh, provides this option because arterial, arterial grafts in general still open for longer. Those are the overriding objectives. And then we come into the nuances of how we do the procedure, the size of incision. Typically to do a complete revascularization using arteries, um, you need a sternotomy, which is a midline incision, splitting the sternum. It doesn't have to be a really big one. You know, my father had it 30 years ago and they split him from the neck all the way down towards his belly button. That, that's unacceptable. So we try and minimize the incision and do the procedure that way. In patients with less uh, disease, in patients who have the LAD, the left anterior descending disease, which is the widow maker that we mentioned earlier, and the most important vessel, another option would be to avoid sternotomy, to avoid the midline incision, and do a smaller incision on the left side between the ribs. And that is called a thoracotomy or a mini thoracotomy. And you could do that with or without the heart-lung machine, and you could achieve good result in select patients with suitable anatomy. So those patients we typically do CT scans on to see the position of the heart, its location, and the ease of access. But yeah, you're right. This is an option, less invasive option, that we offer for select patients. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can also uh, involve robotics to help us harvest the internal thoracic artery that we use in that setting
0: um you mentioned in there the um heart lung machine so can you talk about the difference of being on pump versus off pump and what that means for patients does it make a difference
1: well it shouldn't we i mean whether you do an operation with on pump or off pump as a surgeon that evaluated the patient you got to make sure that the procedure that you offer the patient is the perfect and most durable procedure we're not interested in immediate results we're interested in long-term results five, 10, 20, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. I mentioned my father. my father is 35 years out of his bypass. so you got to think long term and sometimes it's conducive to do off-pump surgery, when there's a limited number of vessels, when the vessels are easily accessible, when the surgeon is confident that they could do a perfect job off pump. but in general Uh, most surgeons and most patients end up having a procedure using the pump just because the type of patients we get nowadays have heavy atherosclerotic burdens. Uh, They tend to be obese. They tend to have uh, diffuse disease with smaller vessels. Um, Those lend themselves better to a heart-lung machine where you can actually stop the heart, get excellent visualization, and perfect your anastomosis. But that doesn't mean, again, that you can't do equally as good a job in select patients, in the hands of select surgeons, off pump.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've done a lot of different research studies about the different types of um, blood vessels that are used to bypass. Um, can you talk a little bit about the different options and what you know what you found as far as long term
1: results? Yes. Um, in general, the 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 simple and shortcut answer is: the more arteries you use, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, it really depends on the patient. Um, some patients have excellent quality veins that if you harvest in a meticulous meticulous technique and it's a healthy, nice, uninjured vein, that vein could last a long time. Um, that vein may be better than an artery that's small, that's calcified, um, and, and that's fine and that's okay. So it really depends on the experience of the surgeon and the people that assist him, the team that assist him in ensuring that they harvest excellent quality. And we actually scan most of our patients to look at the quality of their veins before we even make the incision. If it's a large varicose vein or if it's a sclerotic thrombosed um, vein, or if it's a very small vein, then we would avoid that and would use the artery. And the arteries that we use are internal thoracic arteries, which are on both sides of the sternum. These, according to studies from the clinic, have demonstrated excellent outcomes and superior outcomes in general to veins. And we can also use the radial artery, which is the artery from the arm, and we use the non-dominant arm. So if you're right-handed, we use the left hand. And remember, the hand is supplied by two arteries, the radial and the ulnar artery. So we test and make sure that that hand is gonna be fine if we take one of the vessels. And uh, we use that vessel. And there are studies now that demonstrate that again, a radial artery maybe better than vein. But with advancement in medical therapy, I have to come back and say, a good vein with medical compliance, with all the state of the art, anti-atherosclerotic medications, um, control of glucose and other um, optimization strategies, um, that vein is not a bad option. But if you have a young patient with a prolonged life expectancy Um, certainly if they don't have healthy veins, uh, you wanna go for more arteries. And our default strategy actually, for patients that come to our office is to use more than one artery. Again, because they are associated with long-term survival. And again, as you mentioned, most of the studies actually that introduced this concept and have validated this concept came from the Cleveland Clinic, starting with Dr. Loop in 1986, when he uh, introduced the world to the left internal thoracic artery, and then Dr. Lytle in the late 90s. And we continue this work, and we build on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, are there any times where coronary artery bypass surgery would not be an option for a patient?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> now, well, well I, mean, I mean, again, remember, it's, it's a major procedure. So mm-hmm. if, if you get a I'm gonna give rare examples. For example, a patient with end-stage cancer Mm -hmm. where the life expectancy is six months or less. I don't think we should put them through uh, a a procedure that involves an incision and heart lung machine. Why? Because they're probably getting chemotherapy, so their healing is impaired, their immunity is impaired, and you fix the heart, but then you end up with multiple other problems and you may have to postpone or delay their uh, cancer therapy. So that's just one rare example. Mm -hmm. And then another also not that common of an example is a very frail and elderly patient, uh, where they would not, again, their hearts will do great with the surgery, but they will struggle in terms of recovery and getting back on their feet and leading an independent life.
0: So I think it's important that you mention frail because age really is not necessarily a factor, right? It's more the frailty.
1: Yeah. As you get older, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I used to take the age of my father as old, but now my father's in his eighties. I'm thinking, you know, he looks robust, you know? So you're right. I often, often tell my dad that he's low mileage, you know? I mean, he's old, but he actually is uh, pretty robust. You're right. Age, I mean, we've done successful surgery on patients in the late eighties and, uh, and actually nineties, and they've done really well, but again, we, 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 it's, it's a joint decision, it's a joint assessment between us, the patients, and their families. What are their expectations? What's their baseline strength? And uh, whether they will go through uh, the surgery and do well. And um, we have been successful in, in, in actually selecting our patients and offering the best possible therapy. And if we can not give them cabbage, there are other options. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, optimal medical management is an excellent baseline therapy. But also, our cardiology colleagues are extremely skilled in doing very complex interventions for, for, for lesions that may not be otherwise stentable elsewhere. So, so we value our partnership, we value our heart team, we value our discussions between the cardiologists and the patients and other, involved, uh, other stakeholders involved in the care of the patients.
0: Um, I, I want to leave by talking about our outcomes because patients often are looking at what you know. Why are we number one, or where should I go for my bypass surgery? Is it important to go to a center that's you know to travel here for heart care? So, can you talk about our outcomes?
1: Uh, I mean, we've been blessed with excellent outcomes, and actually the best possible outcomes. And we always um, strive not just as surgeons, but as teams um, and caregivers. Um, it's really our source of pride, our source of gratification. There's nothing better than seeing your patients do well um, and recover from surgery um, and, and and leave the hospital in a timely manner, avoid readmissions, and have a better quality of life and a longer life. So that, that is really our uh, mission, our goal, and, um, We have stringent quality. I happen to be the director of quality, by the way, so I'm glad you asked me that question. Um, We we have what's called the cabbage radar, and that radar picks up high-risk cases from the get-go, even before we do those cases, and we match the right patient to the right surgeon to the right team. Uh, We decide whether those patients need optimization preoperatively. For example, some patients who are really, really sick, and we've had one recently, actually, they came in with shock, their liver was affected, their kidney was affected. If you put that patient immediately through an operation, they will probably not do well because their systems are not ready to take the physiologic insult of surgery because surgery is a stress um, in, on you uh, know itself. So um, in that particular patient, we placed a temporary mechanical support system called an Impella for about a week the kidneys recovered, the liver recovered, then we did a cabbage and that patient did very well. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that we, we, we evaluate the patients on our cabbage radar from the get-go. We optimize them. We pick the best operation. We tend to use more arteries than veins and then we have excellent teams in the ORs. We have excellent teams uh, from anesthesia, nursing, physical therapy, respiratory therapy, um, uh, to take care of those patients and get them back on their feet as quickly as possible and out of the hospital. And um, once they're out of the hospital, we follow them closely and make sure that in coordination with our cardiology colleagues that they live a long and healthy life. And our mortality for a cabbage has been less than one in a hundred for as long as we could remember, for for as long as the books started recording them. And, and, and that is, you know, remarkable because we don't just do low-risk cases that come and see us in our offices. We do lots of cases that get transported by helicopters, by fixed wings from all over the country, indeed from all over the world, with really sick hearts, with really tough operations, including reoperations, including multiple reoperations, operations So to, to achieve a mortality that, that, that is that low, lower than expected by the societal expectations and the national, international uh, metrics is a remarkable feat that we're really proud of. So in summary, I think we take great care of our patients and we're very proud of our top results.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me this morning.
1: Well, thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to our next uh, discussions. Bye-bye. Bye, take care.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast.